It's Monday, December 13th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Kentwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 227. This will be a special episode. We're talking about this internet log jam going on right now. We've got a special guest on with us right now, Steve Wilson. I'll let him introduce himself in just a second. We may have Sarbjeet joining us a little bit later. But right now we got Steve. Steve, do you want to tell the people who you are and what's going on in your world? Hey guys, great to meet you. So I am the chief product officer at Contrast Security. Uh, we're a Silicon Valley-based startup that specializes in application security. Um, I've had a lot of jobs in my career, but maybe most relevant to this discussion, going way back to ancient history, I was actually an early member of the Java team at Sun Microsystems. Very nice. So Very it seems cool. like this is pretty relevant to what's going on. It, it seems right up relevant. my alley. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as I opened techmeme.com just past, gosh, I want to say since Friday, this has been the number one thing at the top of the news. And now I'm looking at a new article that says CISA director Jen Easterly says the log4j flaw likely affects hundreds of millions of devices and may be the most serious bug she has seen in her career. That's a pretty I, big statement. I think it's fair. You know, when you think back on the last big bug we saw of this type, it was back in 2017 when there was a flaw in the Apache um, Struts library, which is a commonly used Java library, at least it was back then. And, you know, just one of the customers that was affected was this company called Equifax, a little company that does credit rating. Mm -hmm. um, they lost enough of their customer data that the FTC fined them $425 million. Our estimates are this is maybe 50 times as big as that in terms of gross exposure, like how many people are using software that's exposed as the oh Apache Struts one four years ago. Now, I just finished right before this, I found a little demo that you were doing on YouTube. Fantastic demo, by the way. I subscribed, thumbs up, like the video, <laughs> commented, you know, help the YouTube algorithm. I didn't actually realize how easy this was. Uh, and maybe you can help because I'm not as like even remotely as familiar with with this uh, this flaw. And I, I was reading your article as well. You said this gets a 10 out of 10. Uh, and that's not a good thing from a security uh, rating scale. That's the worst that you can get, I think. Right. But you did a <laughs> yeah. uh, you did a phenomenal little demo there where basically you just ran a string of code and it looked like it caused maybe i wasn't following it perfectly but it looked like it caused the calculator to pop up uh just showing hey you know anybody without authentication can can jump in um and run some code against the server and get whatever data they they uh they can is that about right yeah like, am i am i understanding it correctly no you're pretty much spot on and um you know just to, to tell you where this started you said like on tech meme starting on friday this blew up but it started <laughs> thursday night and it started in all places, believe it or not, on Minecraft. And some there people on go. Minecraft realized <laughs> that if you paste a specially formatted string into the chat window, that you could get privileged data out of the Minecraft server. It, um, is, this just a, is this just an improper validation for the inputs that's happening? Is it, that why this is able it, to do this? It really is. So in, in AppSec, we call this what's called an injection attack. And there are several vectors. Um, there are things like a SQL injection attack where you accidentally let someone put untrusted SQL commands into your database and take your data. Yep. This is what's called a log injection attack where you let somebody put 
something with specially escaped characters into your log. Now, the thing is, the log for J framework been there for more than 20 years. It's supposed to protect against these things, but somebody found a very particular path through the code where you're not protected and where it winds up that a lot of people have applications that are exposed where without being authenticated or anything else through a number of vectors, HTTP or otherwise, you can inject arbitrary code into somebody else's application and run it on their server. Now, wait, you're saying it started with Minecraft. I thought it was just nine-year-olds that played Minecraft. Is that right? Um, <laughs> How does this happen? Well, the, the funny thing is, is that Minecraft, Minecraft is probably one of the most popular applications ever written in Java. Um, you know, started off as ah. sort of a, a fun little thing for people to build little game worlds on. Um, you know, eventually it got so popular that Microsoft acquired it, but it's written in Java. My, when my daughter, who's in college now, was in about seventh grade, she went to computer programming camp over the summer and learned to write extensions in Java to, uh, you know, create her own magic weapons in um, Minecraft. So it's a full-blown Java programming environment. Now, you're not supposed to be able to inject your own Java code into it unless it's your server, but that's what this flaw allows. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and and then like Sarjeet just discovered. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sarjeet's here. Yeah, I just no, wanted, just to, wanted him to. Is, yeah, go ahead. Last thing is obviously, once people figured out you could do it on Minecraft, they started showing that you could do it on Apple's site, Tesla's site, Amazon's site. So many major, major industrial strengths are built on this same block of code. So it's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the details of. I want to talk about, you know, how dangerous is this? From a just average user perspective, what do people need to do and know and how can they protect themselves? But uh, Sarbjeet, wanted to give you a second. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, if you want to uh, give a few seconds about yourself and let the people know uh, what you're up to, I appreciate that. Hey, guys. Yeah, I am coming back from airport, so pardon my noise in my car. I'm driving back to San Jose. Yeah, 27 years in tech. Um, some of you guys know that, Steve. I know for a while now. And um, I started as a coder and then tech lead and uh, built products at PeopleSoft, Oracle, VMware, EMC, Rackspace. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And I'm, yeah. I'm betting a good number of our listeners already know who you are. I've, I've run into you all over Twitter. Uh, I've, <laughs> I saw you on Clubhouse when that existed. You were, you were big and bold there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Josh at Clubhouse, right? RIP Clubhouse. Um, so what what are you seeing, Sarbjeet? Um, how is this affecting you? What's your perspective? Uh, you know, everywhere I look, it's people are saying this is the most serious bug they've ever seen when it comes to the internet. Yeah, I, I think it's widespread because the Java is widespread and 4 billion devices are running Java on them and and then anywhere there's Java, I think maybe at least 90%, uh, if not more, of Java uses Log4j library for logging. And I, I remember when it just came out way back in, you know, like 98 or 99, we were using it. And then it, it improved. But but um, as Steve said, like, it, it should have been built into the core Java language, but it was a standalone library. And we had this technical debt we never paid back, and we never built that back into Java. And that, now we are paying price for that. Yep, that's 
that's what my take is. And and from the impact point of view, I uh, noticed that a bunch of AWS services were listed. Actually, I tweeted that today. Uh, I think about twelve of them uh, are like you can't say impacted, but they are using Log4j library, right? And AWS has put up put out a log, uh, a blog, not log, a blog. <laughs> about the, the, the impact of that and which services are passed or which, which services are being passed and so forth and what the impact is. And it, it is mind-boggling to know that the core services of AWS are impacted by that. I mean, that's just one provider uh, in the cloud, right? AWS, uh, sorry, right. Um, AWS is impacted, of course, but then Google and Azure and IBM, whatever cloud they have in whatever shape or form, uh, Oracle, also, all these guys are impacted. So, so I'd love to understand. And again, Steve, back to you. You know, I saw your demo for Contrast, and you were talking about um, basically the Contrast services uh, intercepting this. It was really neat. But I'd love to get y'all's take on what what do businesses do, and then what does the average internet customer, the internet customer, internet user uh, need to need to do when it comes to this. You know, if my yeah, mom sees so, this on the internet, what does she what does she need to think? You know? <laughs> no, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think your average user on the internet is not likely to see this um, unless it comes back to bite them indirectly, right? The only way that an average internet user saw the Equifax thing four years ago was they got a notice from Equifax that says, I'm sorry, I lost your private data. Um, so that's that's what you have to worry about as an individual, and it's a little hard for you to control at this point. Um, as a business owner, though, as somebody who um, either uses SaaS software or actually writes or runs their own software, this is something that you can be taking control of. So first off, if you're um, using software as a service, uh, you should be going to your vendors, asking them for their statement about have they um, have they mitigated this, have they patched this, are they exposed to it? Um, anybody who's who's really running commercial software on the internet had better be able to give you really crisp answers to that, and you should be demanding that from them. Um, on the other hand, if you are a service provider or a software company, um, you need to be looking at are you using these libraries. Uh, Contrast obviously makes tools that will help with that. Um, and that really, we make a collection of tools which help basically inspect code that you write or code that you use through open source to find different kinds of vulnerabilities. Um, the other thing that we do, and in particular for this specific issue that we've tested against, is we have a product that we call Protect Simply, which actually inserts itself into your app and protects you from a wide range of possible attacks, including things like injection attacks, and this one in particular. So if somebody out there has software that they're not able to patch in a reasonable amount of time, they can certainly reach out to us, um, contrastsecurity.com, and we can help with that. But really, it's about finding if you're using the Log4j software. There are several ways to mitigate this. We have a blog up on our site about um, flags that you can set in your Java virtual machine that will help about ways to patch this. And the Apache Software Up, um, Foundation has also issued an updated version of the library that doesn't have the problem that you can upgrade to. Gotcha. 
And this looks like it's, it's amazing. happening in real time. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so I, you know, I was a horrible developer about 10, 12 years ago. One of the, one of the worst of all time. I'd like to take the crown if possible. Uh, it, it, and I wrote in Java and it's funny. I'm just, I haven't had the opportunity today to look through what this is. So I was just Googling around and trying to see some of the specifics. I mean, the function with which this is being executed on is an unbelievably simplistic and very common way of writing code, at least lazy code, like I probably did. Like, I mean, it's a print function. This mm-hmm. is this is crazy to me. And I've used this library, by the way. I mean, I don't know anyone who hasn't, personally, who's written anything in Java at the enterprise level who hasn't done this at least some point in time. But this is just so easy to just have a print function and a string that executes the next line of code by obfuscating what you wanted to print and just injecting this right there. I mean, it's just a, it's crazy how simplistic this is and how easy it must be to propagate this at scale across the internet. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but is that, is that kind of the way you see it, Steve and, and Sarbjeet as well? I, I think you have it spot on right, which is why um, why people have been jumping all over this as they come to the realization. You know, when when some of our um, you know research teams started hearing about this on Thursday, everybody looked a little extant about it and said, "Okay, well, if there's something out there, we got to make sure that we understand it so we can help our customers." Um, by the time I got up at six a.m. Pacific. Uh, you know, my Slack email box was blown up from our teams in Europe and on the East Coast <laughs> saying, um, this is this is serious. We need to batten down the hatches for our customers. And the good news is um, our software had actually warned customers that something in this area was a foul, but not everybody had addressed it because I don't think it was really hard to understand how serious this was. Because like you said, it just looks like an area that must be benign, can't be that bad. Um but, you know, as people jump on it, our estimate is at this point, 50 to 50 to 70% of the Java applications out there may be running a vulnerable version of this code. And to date, it may only be 10% of them that have actually, actually fixed the problem um, over the weekend. Well, and I'm, gosh, just diving into this all over the place. But I saw um, at Matthew D. Green just asked, what percentage of Java software can't be patched because the companies that developed it have lost the source code? And then somebody right into that says, assuming the company is even still around, <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. going to be a whole host of, of issues there. And then in, in real time here, this just looks like this just broke. Chronos, uh, one of the largest HR and workflow management companies, says a ransomware attack related to this knocked its systems offline, possibly for the next several weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, this we're going to start to see this happening. So... Um, First, what I'll say is for for folks out there who have applications where, for example, you've bought something, you don't have the source code to it, or there's a legacy app running in your shop and you don't have source code, um, Contrast can help you with that. Basically, the way that our product works, it actually instruments the byte codes as you load. You don't have to even have the source code for the application anymore, and we can protect you from this. So there are ways to address this. Yeah, I was Um, watching the demo, and and it looks like you – is it – I, I don't understand enough of how it works, but do you run applications on top of contrast or how would that, how does it, so, how does it, yeah. So, so for folks that who, you know, even with a, a bit of developer knowledge, um, there's something in Java and we do this across languages using similar techniques, but in Java, we use something called the Java instrumentation API. It's been there for, uh, okay. you know, 15 plus years. And, 
What it allows you to do is basically register something with an app at startup with the Java virtual machine that says, hey, I'm going to weave some extra code in here with your permission to do that um, to watch what's going on. And um, people have built multi-billion dollar businesses on this. If you've heard of companies like AppDynamics or New Relic or Datadog, um, first versions of their, their software were all built on this where they decorated things to analyze the performance to watch things come in and out and figure out how fast the program was running or where it was slow. What Contrast did was use this to actually put itself inside the application where it could watch all the data flows and watch for the anti-patterns that show either a security vulnerability that's latent or an active attack. Steve, it, that is you, you mentioned the runtime. Could I'm just trying to think back. You know, to the to the vulnerability mm -hmm. aspect. You know, I, I saw that a lot of people were. Uh, or I say a lot of people when I when I was reading, uh, whenever I first caught news of this yesterday, I immediately saw that there were malicious actors that were already sort of scanning. I'm wondering if they're scanning and automatically injecting. Are they able to use like the uh, what is it called the the J JNDI the JNDI to be able to do lookup commands to replace the strings? Is that kind of what you think maybe they're trying to do? And could that, do you think that that could run commands against the servers? I'm trying to figure out how the external threat exists here. And I know that in the, uh, what did JNDI stand for? It was like the Java naming interface. interface. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's so, what it was. So, so here's the thing is if you do look at the demo, the, the JNDI interface is, is part of the vulnerability chain, but your oh. app doesn't have to actively be using it. It's part of the vector whereby it gets exploited. And here's why this is so insidious. Oh, is wow. It really has to do with anything getting written to a log file that contains these special strings that are booby-trapped appropriately. Right. And yeah. so what that means is in a lot of cases, you don't even have to be authenticated to the app. You don't have to be logged in. Like, for example, let's say I go to log into your app and I provide you a booby-trapped string as my username. Now it's going to reject right. my login but it's going to write that to the log file as a failed login attempt. And now I own you. Yep. That, that's, that's so that's, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause I saw people were changing device IDs like iPhone, you know, names mm -hmm. or whatever it is to, to be able to make this happen or, or, you know, their usernames in it's, Minecraft or whatever. That's fascinating yep. and, and horrible at the same time. I might add, <laughs> it's just, just, just absolutely terrifying and remarkable, I guess, for the people who found this. You know, I guess I guess good for them. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't look, like it. There there is look, there I, I don't want to say that just there's an industry that does this. I mean, there are there are certainly um, you know, what we call white hat hackers, um, you know, security researchers who spend their time trying to fix this or find these things, and they actually do great work and find all sorts of things. Um, on the other hand, if you just go to Google Trends, you know, the old Google Trends that shows you what search words are trending and type in log4j, um, the amount of traffic in log4j in China has gone up by like a million percent. Um, <laughs> there, there are, you know, nation state hackers who are now probably who, who actually knew how to do this a long time ago, let's be honest. But now it's a vertical line. knows how to do it. <laughs> I just I just Googled it. Yes, it is a vertical line. It just kind of hovers at the bottom with no searches and then boom, explodes up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So, so what do I mean? I know you you answered Aaron's question on what does the average user do when they see this? What do companies do? I mean, do you just have to start off with the basis of assumption that you are 
you know, affected by this and, and work from there? I feel like you probably do. Yeah, but there's nothing we can do. I, it's not, it's not like you can go change. I'm talking, I'm talking more about application or, owners, you know, yeah, people yeah, okay. who, yeah. you know, are, are running if these services. If, I feel like you got to start there. If, if you're, if you're a company that is running applications, either ones that you've bought or ones that you're, um, that you're writing, you absolutely need to take this seriously. Um, you know, you can go look at the advisories that are out there. Again, we have a blog on our website that shows you, um, you know, even without buying our product, remediation tips that you can take immediately. And you you have to go do that as soon as possible. Because I, the thing I tell you is this is not over. Um, you know, again, going back and just looking at the Equifax thing is the closest proxy that we have. Um, th- there was so much sort of um, post-mortem on that Equifax thing the hackers were inside the Equifax network for something like 76 days before they got kicked out. Um, you you have to, you know, get your shields up, get this remediated ASAP, and then um, and then really be taking appropriate measures to make sure that um, that you haven't been compromised already. Look at your log files. Um, you know, you you will be able to figure this stuff out, and there are people who can help. Yeah, that's good. I think, you know, we'll we'll grab that link and, and maybe put it in the show notes for, for people to be able to go check that yeah. out. That's good to know. I love it's the just, part it's the just demo. a fascinating thing. Yeah, There's a the part in the demo where it where you said something to the effect of, Hey, if you had done this thing we warned you about three years ago, this wouldn't have been an issue. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I, I mean, isn't that our business though? I mean, I'd yes. say our business. I don't know if we're all in the same businesses, but it's like we yes. we work with customers and we say, you know, you should do this thing for these reasons. They're like, ah, you know, when's that gonna happen? And then it happens, and you know, it's like, remember when we said this yep. thing? No? Okay, cool. Sarbjeet, what are you thinking, man? What's what's running through your head on this? I know you're driving, but through my mind is that the software supply chain management needs to be strengthened, and that's a bigger sort of conversation. We we have had similar incidents in the last two years, and I have said that many times. This problem will get worse before it gets better because the way we have laid down our way we work in the software industry, right? So the People once they find out that is a there's a bad oh, I think we lost them. Yeah, probably just gonna get worse. Changing, changing between towers. I, I agree with them. Yeah. You know, I, I've been I've been spending a lot of time lately with customers on uh, pipeline call. security. I so, sorry, uh, Sarbji, we we lost you for a second, and so I kind of kind of jumped in. It blocked me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Thank, you can finish thanks, Telegram. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was saying that. <laughs> The software supply chains like discussion needs to happen. Like, how do we scale what we use uh, in for enhanced development, and how our um, system we procure from others? Like, how they need to tell us like where they are procuring the software from. So, I hope uh, we will get a better mechanism in place with blockchain and stuff like that. Like, where the software is coming from, and who wrote it, and how old it is. But it's a big mess, actually. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that there's more elements deeper into the pipeline that we can go into as well. Lately, okay, I've been sorry. looking at uh, IDE integrations. Like, you know, are wh- where do we start the scanning? Where do we put in recommendations for for better, more secure code? And I think that the the IDE integration products that we're seeing come through that are are very helpful in that. Not just 
scanning of images and then, you know, testing with things like barcode or whatever, you know, you might use out there. I think there's, there's more elements along the entire pipeline that we need to look more closely at. And I think that that'll become much more commonplace moving forward, or at least I, I hope it will. I don't know that it solves things like this necessarily, but it gives us more checks and balances to check that we're doing things appropriately and provides appropriate recommendations to do so whenever we, you know, it catches human error, which we all do. I, I can guarantee you, I have written things that are being exploited today by this, you know, and so that's, I wish something would have caught me in the process of doing it, uh, you know, in the moment. Same here. Actually, I wrote a lot of Java code, so I, I bet some of those people are suffering right now. <laughs> the code which I wrote. It's not my fault. Well, it sounds though. like, it sounds like I win because I've written zero Java code, so I have zero uh, vulnerabilities out there. <laughs> Way to go. You did it. <laughs> yes, I did it. Don't worry. What Whatever language you did write code in, it's probably also vulnerable. Yes, coming. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, that's our that's our half hour. If there's anything else, and I think, uh, Russ, you may have to jump, but is there anything else I, we need to make sure we cover on this? Yeah, I think I may have cut Steve off. Do you have any other final thoughts, Steve, before we... Before we close her down, um, we can always have you on for another no. another go at it in the future. Hey guys, this was super fun. Thanks for inviting me. For your listeners, if if there is something we can help with, if you're uncertain about how to deal with this issue or you need help, um, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn or you know, contrastsecurity.com. We're here to help you with it. Very good. Well, thank you for joining. This was uh, this is a lot of fun. It's it's interesting. You know, we don't we don't always dive too deep on one topic. Sometimes you know, I go on tangents or or Tyler does, that's for sure. And, and that, that becomes more interesting. But this was kind of fun to be able to go through this, even though it's a, it's a terrifying topic. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. Please share it around. Tell your friends, tell your family. And until next time, uh, we'll see you later. Peace. Thanks, guys. See you.